James, we are almost at the beginning of bubble life for the players, the teams. We're almost at the beginning of game action. You were down at the rink uh, this week with me. What did you think? You know what? I, I didn't know how, how useful it would feel being there or how unusual it would feel being there, but it was actually, I'm really glad that I went, and actually I wish that I had been down there a little bit more frequently. It's just... We kind of made the decision as an outlet not to send a whole bunch of people there, not knowing, you know, the safety precautions and all those kinds of things. But um, one of the great things about training camp normally when it's in September is as a media member, you get to sit like right, right on top of what's happening. And just like the speed and, and everything of, of it's fantastic to watch. It's like watching the very best athletes in the world right in front of you as close as you can get. And no extra you know you know stuff going on between the whistles or anything it's just it's just the hockey it, i don't know it's it's amazing it's it's like when you used to go to like a minor hockey rink and like watch your friends play when you were a teenager or whatever except it's like austin matthews and john Tavares. and the scrimmage they had they were having some of those like they were having some of the top lines go head to head and it just like the watching like nylander play against hyman and like some of the stuff that it was or maybe they were on the same line or like watching Marner play against, you know, like it was, I thought it was fantastic. It was really, really interesting. And, you know, I liked your piece today had all the different observations coming out of training camp. It's, you know, I think that it's going to be really fascinating to see how, what Sheldon keeps tried to do translates into, into this series because the Leafs have obviously put a lot of effort into making sure that everybody's going to be going to be playing at, at the peak of their ability by next week. Well, as you're talking, it it reminds me actually of something that I now wish I included in my observation story. I almost think, and this was something that I can't remember if it was Kyle Dubas or or Sheldon Keefe mentioned, um, that having a smaller camp actually might be the way to go in future. I don't know Mm -hmm. how you do it, Mm -hmm. but I found it so much more useful just for me. And I'm just like a media person covering the team, observing it in the way that it was done this time where it was a smaller group. I found I had a much better impression of a lot of different players. Whereas at camp, like they start out with 70, 80 guys. And then like three or four days later, they're playing an exhibition game. And and there's not, I don't know. There's just almost too much going on. And this was so focused and they kind of got right into it right away that I found it more useful. The level of play is just like incredible right from the beginning. Whereas if you've got a, whole bunch of marley's guys and a whole bunch of echl and junior guys and whatever it's the level is just not the same but you know i was surprised like there were big hits in that scrimmage yesterday like goche got who who hit him i think riley hit him was riley hit him really like kind of from behind pretty good there were you know barry took i think barry took the penalty on mckayev that turned into the penalty shot like there was there was like a bunch of um it was it, it was interesting it was it was really uh, fascinating, and I, I, you know, I wish they televised some of it because I think people would watch it. It was actually, it was really interesting watching them play. So, um, and you're right. I mean, I think the thing to do in training camp, maybe in the future, is just split it into two groups. And you know, if you have guys that really stand out in the second group, maybe they they move up and move down based on how they play. I mean, that could create like a level of competition at a training camp. But yeah, that that's kind of in the weeds a little bit. But um, no, I thought that the pace that they were playing at was very very high like you could see some guys you know i thought even nick robertson looked like he was having a hard time keeping up at the i mean i haven't been watching him the whole time along but i thought that he looked a little bit tired and you can see why because 
those really, really good, fast NHL players were going full out in that game yesterday. Well, one thing I think that, that he'll have to work on is his explosiveness. And right. that's like, it's a different thing in the NHL. He kind of reminds me in terms of his speed level of, of Kadri. They're not similar skaters. Like they don't move the same, but Kadri never had that extra gear. You know what I mean? Acceleration's kind of the problem, right? Like it's like he's like jumping yeah. right off and he's not a big guy either. So, I mean, you've been watching him more than I have, but I was just like, huh, this is, he's like a, I don't know. In that context against like playing up against like Austin Matthews and some of these other guys, he just looked a little bit different than, than if you watch like his highlights from junior and, and you know, even the training camps and prospect camps we've seen him play in, it looked a little bit different than uh, just because of how high the level was. So I'm not, that's not to say that Nick Robertson can't come in and make an impact. It's just, I kind of got a glimpse of where he still needs to go over the next couple of years as a prospect. Okay, James, no more chitter chatter between us. We have a, a big guest. Um, he's a, he might be our favorite. He's definitely in the top two. <laughs> Uh, Ray, are you there? Uh, I am here. Um, I'm hearing you guys talk about hockey, which is, is that <laughs> what you guys do? Like for, for four months, I've been like being the worst school teacher of all time, the grocery shopper, the, I'm like, this is kind of, this might be kind of fun. Well, Ray, I, I wanted to start actually where we last talked to you. We were literally in a conference room at, in a hotel in downtown Toronto trying to contemplate what life was going to be like. Did it turn out as you expected? No. Um, <laughs> I, you know what, guys? Like, it, it back in January, I, I had this conversation with Bruce Arthur. And, you know, Bruce was telling me about this virus that, you know, was, was starting to circulate. And he's like, man, it's, it's going to be big. It's, and I'm like, man, uh, and in January, I think a lot of us probably felt like this. And I said, well, is it, aren't we talking about the flu? And he's like, no, nah, it's, it's more than that. And I'm like, really? So as time went on, he's like, man, this is, this is going to be big. I don't think I appreciated the enormity of, of how our, all of our lives was going to change. Like, I, I really, I, I just didn't see it. So like almost, almost everything right, is completely different for most people. Like, we're lucky we have, you know, we have a backyard where the kids could, you know, we could get them out a little bit. But man, for the first two and a half, three months, we we didn't leave our yard except to go grocery shopping. And I felt like, honestly, I I was so nervous and, and actually still am like going to the grocery store. Like it, it, we were like wipe we still are we wipe everything down before we get it into the house we leave stuff that can stay for three days out in the garage and holy smokes man like just even something like that i, I think i it's it's hard to you know not sound preachy or whatever but i i think i've become like way more appreciative of what we have or had and you know hopeful that some path forward can be different than what it is it's just it's been crazy you know we're like it we're closing in on five months into this and it's still you know there's you still have these moments every day where you're like you know like we i went to the rink uh, to watch the the leafs training camp yesterday and it's just everything's walled off and everyone has a mask on and you can't stand or talk to a lot of the people and it's just 
I don't know, the new normal is just going to take a long time to get used to. And hopefully this isn't the new normal forever. Hopefully that there is a, we do get back um, to where we're doing this podcast in person as opposed to me sitting in my bedroom. <laughs> talk, yeah. talk. Well, we're all looking for a quiet spot, right? Like there's, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the kitchen cooking, uh, cooking pancakes. And I'm like, I don't think I can start now. I've got to, you know, I get to trying to get the kids breakfast and I'm like, no, I got to get into that quieter spot there. Cause my grandkids are here too. And if they get in here, Jonas, you wouldn't have any experience in this, but if the little guys get in here, this is going to be mayhem. <laughs> I've I've got my door. They can come on the I've, pod. Got the, I've got the door to my room blocked, Ray. I've got a bunch of laundry hampers in front of it because the two the two year old tries to break in here all the time. And I've been on Zoom calls like with my boss, and you know she's got her face right in the camera and everything. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's not smooth. Did either of you guys watch the baseball on Thursday night or see any of no. that? No. Yes, I did. Um, I was okay, so, I was happy Ray, to watch. I, I wanted to know. Yeah, me too. I, like, even with the no fans, it was weird. But what started running through your mind about what it's going to look like for the NHL? Well, it's funny, Jonas, you say that because I had just, before I sat down to watch, I had just seen the schematics that have come out for what the rink is going to look like in Edmonton with the, you know, with the the way they're going to use LED lights and or lighting and the, you know, there's going to be banners that are going to kind of shield the seats. And I was like, man, I think that looks pretty neat for for what we have right for for what it is now i've been watching the bundesliga and um you know i'm watching the mls's back tournament now i watched the baseball game yesterday and i i mean look people are going to complain and they're and they're going to be unhappy with certain aspects of it um however the game is the game like yeah of course we're going to miss the atmosphere of course we're going to miss the ups and downs of the of the home crowd whether it's positive or negative we're going to miss all that we're going to miss the you know the the uproar over a bad call because it's it, as much as it's going to be i'm assuming way more intense than a scrimmage it's going to have that hollow feel like you guys have just been in the rink like a you go watch a scrimmage um, with the Leafs or with any other team and the puck goes in the net and they can sound a horn or play a, so a song, but it's just, it's dead. It's quiet, right? It's hollow. And and that's going to be there. I, I don't see how it's unavoidable. You know, it's unavoidable, but I, I just, I don't know. I think we can get, I think most people will get past that pretty quickly and just look at what's on the ice. I think we're gonna have some really cool camera angles that the broadcasters are gonna be able to take advantage of because they can run cameras where there'd normally be people sitting. Ray, do you think it's gonna be a challenge for the players to kind of stay in the mindset given, or, or like, is it easier as a player to just focus on the puck and who you're playing against and your teammates and everything like that? And then what's different, you get used to pretty quickly? Uh, I think you will get used to it, James, but I do think like guys will, um, they'll fog out a little bit when they're sitting on the bench. Like usually like you're sitting on the bench, you get your, you know, you get your wind back and you, you know, I mean, I look up at the clock, you can look around. There's, you know, like there's something to kind of, this will sound goofy, but to occupy your time because you're not, everybody is like a laser focused person. Even some of the great players, every minute of every set or every second of every minute, they're sitting on the bench. So the fact that there's going to be nothing 
I think there'll be guys that will wander off. I think there will be guys that won't be as sharp, perhaps, as they might otherwise be. But as far as the intensity and the and the play, uh, I suspect it's going to start out really frenetic and, and kind of like all over the place. But nobody's going to really have the sense of how physical to play until somebody runs into somebody the first time. You know, I talked to a general manager this week and he told me he thought the the games that they were seeing in their camp were like end of training camp games, like after the American League players and the junior players had been returned and they're right down to their last group. He said, look, guys aren't crashing into each other, but they're battling on the boards. They're, you know, they're getting harder on each other um, as the days go on. And I mean, this is all so like abnormal. I even have a tough time thinking that Oh yeah, this is going into the playoffs. I kind of have in my head, this is the start of next season. You know, like this, these are exhibition well, games, except they're not. Yeah, and Ray, like I was, I was trying to contemplate like what it would be like for a player to play in it. Like you're talking about, like an atmosphereless arena. And I was just thinking back to some of the playoff series that we've covered with the Leafs, and there was like a tangible effect that the Boston crowd had. And that's just like gone. Like you think back to that, that yep. game seven a couple years back, you could feel it in the building. Like it was coming. Like even when they the Leafs were still up, you could feel the crowd was getting into it and the players were getting into it. I wonder like how that, I guess, advantage just disappears for lots of different teams. Oh, uh, Jonas, I think it's it, it can be very critical both ways. Like, so obviously we're talking about the home crowd. Let's assume the the home team's having a tough night. You can you can feel that restlessness in the building. They get a power play, and man, that power play's kicked it all over the place all night. And you can hear you feel it, you hear it, even when you're playing, like you that murmur that you know, man, this is this has been brutal all night, and it's probably going to be brutal again. Like you feel that. And conversely, if like that game seven when they scored the couple of quick goals. The players will never say because who's going to say it, you know, right in that moment, but you do become rattled. Like everything, it seems like everything is happening downhill and so fast. And that won't be the case. I think you'll be able to slow yourself down if you need to. Like let's say you give up a couple of quick goals. I think you can slow the game down a little bit in your own head. Um, to maybe get your feet back underneath you. The 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 game's the game, sure, but the emotional swings in it will definitely be changed and affected by the fact that there's there's nobody there. There's been a lot of debate about this, but like, who do you think the conditions of what's happening help or hurt among the players? Like, it, do you think this is better for young guys who don't, or, or 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 is it better to be a veteran player who's like maybe like maybe someone who's like a little bit mentally tougher going through the bubble conditions or, you know, are the guys with the families going to have a harder time? Like, do you have a, a theory for how, how the players are going to be able to approach this and, and, and who might succeed in the, this environment? Well, I think, I think it will be difficult for, um, for both ends of the spectrum, really. Um, I think some of the young guys will have a tough time being, inside those fences basically like you know it's like okay walk to the fence and you're like looking out through the fence right you're as as nice as they can make it or as 
um, accommodating as they can try to make it, it I, I think that'll be a challenge for some of the younger guys. And then for the guys with families and, you know, if you're, if you're chugging along down the tracks here and you're, you know, four or five weeks into this and you haven't seen your family. And, you know, I know when I get traded at the end of my career to St. Louis and I left, you know, my family behind in Atlanta, um, after a while, you like, you know, and I was able to go wherever I wanted, but you get back to your room, you, you watch a show. I mean, I guess that's basically what everybody's been doing for five months anyway, but I, I think it will be difficult on kind of both ends of the spectrum, but I've always had in my head the the best teams are going to be the best teams um, uh, health providing. Uh, you know, certainly Boston isn't the same team if David Pasternak and Charlie McAvoy aren't on the team. You know, if they're if they're unfit to play, right? Like that that would make a significant difference. But I don't I don't all of a sudden see the Leafs becoming this stalwart defensive team. And, you know, I live in Vancouver and I don't think all of a sudden Vancouver is going to find a way to limit shots as opposed to being the 30th best team at limiting shots all year. Like, I, you know, I, I still think the best teams are still the favorites, but there is going to be an unpredictability to this um, that I, I don't I don't know that I can really get a handle on. I'll, I'll, let me give you another example. So pick a player in the league that you know, was just shooting the lights out uh, this year, having a just an amazing season, like a breakout year. Nylander? Well, now they've been, go- they've been gone for four years or for four months. <laughs> four years. Now, yeah, it's felt like four years. It um, feels but like I, it, I'm yeah. not even not even Willie Nylander. Like, I'm thinking of a guy like a guy that's having a career best year. And those players tend from year to year to revert to what their normal season is. So somebody that's got 37 goals and never has 25 goals, by the time next year rolls around, he's probably a 25 goal scorer again, uh, to use those numbers. Well, that's kind of what's happened, but it's still in the same year. And so guys that have had crappy years, this is like a new year for them. Guys that have had great years, unfortunately, it's like a new year for them. I think that for the Leafs, that works in their favor in some sense, just because of how weird their their season was and how kind of inconsistent they were. And, you know, all the Babcock stuff feels a long time ago. All the Michael Hutchinson stuff feels a long time ago. Even, <laughs> even like, I was going back and reading the stories we were writing in February and, and, and just, like, how much angst there was around the Leafs and what it, how inconsistent this team is. And, like, I wrote something saying that it felt like it was going to be a lost season in, in, like, middle of February. And then now, like, there's none of that talk around this team. It's, like, almost like all of the kind of hand-wringing in the market and whatever is gone. Just, it's been wiped out by this break. Yeah, it's a new year, even though it's yeah. not a new year. And so the difference is... The issues that were still there, or the issues that were there for the Leafs, for the most part, are still there. Now, of course, getting somebody like Mikheyev back, you know, changes their lineup. Which, by the way, um, when when you talk about what a, a team and their scouting can do, like to drop a player like that into your lineup for nothing, is yeah. pretty remarkable. Like what. I mean, Ray, I think, he looks so good. Can you imagine how excited he is? Like he's been sitting around. When did he get hurt? December 27. Okay, so f- 
for seven and a, seven months, he's been sitting around waiting to heal, doing a little bit at a time, and then it looks like it's all over. Except it's not. Like, can you imagine just the energy that a player would have? And he's a he's something that is a is rare or rarer with the Leafs, and that's that galloping bigger forward. And so he he can be a he. I mean that that kid can play the game. And I'm I was really impressed. But uh, as I saw him and saw his season start to become more well-rounded on the, more on the offensive side of, of the puck using his skating more and uh, becoming more of a factor driving the puck to the net but the the issues that that are there on the blue line they're still there you know it's not like you it's in an off season when you can bring in a couple of pieces to try and address that one thing you know I'll say I'm concerned but you know guys I'm not really concerned because if <laughs> a team wins or loses doesn't affect me. Um, I'm concerned about Freddie Anderson's start because yeah. it's never been good. Like it, it, at least it's not October, but it's never it's never been. He's never really come out of the gate crisply. We don't really and, know what and, August Fred Freddie Anderson looks like. We right, we, we don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 it better be good. It better be good because the. You know the the whole thing's going to happen so fast. You know, once they get into August second, they're all of a sudden it's like Bing, 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 Bing. You're in or you're out. Like it's going to happen so fast. You talk to people in Columbus, and they're really high on the Elvis kid in net too. So like they, you know, the Leafs could be up against an unexpected. Okay, my prediction with Elvis. I've seen Elvis at a few World Championships. I I love the guy. I yeah. I love his personality. I love his flair in the net. I think he's really good. However, he will either be really good or not very good at all. Like I, I think there's a big, a big swing uh, possible uh, for for Elvis Merzlikens. Um, inexperience is one. Overexcitability is another. Um, you know, he's one of those players. Even though he's a couple of years older, that that first playoff, he might be so. Even though it's weird and all that, he might be so jacked. He might he might have holes, right? He might open himself up to to pucks between his arms and body. Things that goalies have to guard against. That maybe the veteran guys just you know it's just another game for them. And and I think that'll be a challenge. The other challenge for Columbus is they don't score easy. You know they they've got to they've got to work to score. And I don't know. Maybe that will be a positive for them. Um, that they're just going to grind away anyway, and they're not the fanciest team. You know the, you know the headlight or the headliners of that team are on the blue line. You know in Jones and Wierenski. Well, and Ray, that that makes me think like to bring it back to Anderson. In some ways, you think well that takes the pressure off Anderson. He's not dealing with this high-powered offense. But I actually think it might work the opposite. Whereas if you give up the first goal, you feel like they're just going to lock it down, and all the pressure is on you. And that's why it's been interesting to watch him at camp. And, like, you don't want to make very much or anything of scrimmages. But, like, he's in there for a couple scrimmages, and he's he's against Matthews, Marner, Tavares, all those guys, and he is getting lit up. And not really his fault. But I just kept thinking, like, man, is this really the way to, to build his confidence when you don't have any time? And it feels like the goalies of everyone are kind of in the worst position to come back, no? Oh, uh, I, I would – think it's really difficult um i mean just just go back to normal october games 
and there's always more goals. We always get excited in October. Hey, there's going to be way more goals this year. And then it gradually trickles back, you know, to whatever the number is, but it always starts higher uh, in October. The, the one thing I, I would say is that the difference, you know, you're, you know, when you look at them getting zinged for, you know, for a few here by the guys you're mentioning, Columbus doesn't play that style of game. The, the real problem for me for the Leafs is going to be for a team that has shown zero inclination to stop the cycle. I mean, one of the worst in the league. Can, can they stop a team that plays and generates a lot of their offense from the hash marks down? Like Columbus isn't a ru uh, rush team. They're a hold on to the puck, heavier team. And then they got some guys like, you know, Atkins, Atkinson can score and Bjorkstrand's, a, he's a sneaky shooter. Oliver Bjorkstrand's a sneaky shooter. But they don't have, they don't score a pile of easy goals. The challenge for the Leafs will be, can they defend that cycle? And when they crowd the net, can Freddie handle the traffic that's going to be all around him? It's almost like a style mismatch, isn't it, for the Leafs? Like, it's the kind of team that they don't, they don't seem to, to play well against. And I think that that's part of what allowed Columbus to beat the Lightning in the first round last year as well. In addition, in addition to Tampa kind of imploding, they're just they're not an easy team to play against. Yeah, they were 27th in the league in, in offense, but they're just they're relentless and they're very good at what they do e even though they don't generate all that offense. They're not they're not they don't make you comfortable, right? To play. Like they're not a you don't generally settle into a game against Columbus. It's it's got more pace, it's got a little more physicality, it's a little more hectic perhaps. Um but this might be a style mismatch for Columbus too, mm, right? Yeah. Like to, you know, it's one thing to say, yeah, they did this to Tampa last year. Um, you know, can they do it again to Toronto? Because the teams are pretty obviously similar, you know, Tampa, Toronto, uh, with the, with the high end skill that, that they both possess. But, um, if the Leafs can get to the puck, which they will, but if they can, if they can stretch the game, like lengthen the game, uh, you know, up and down the ice as opposed to it being compacted in one end or the other. Uh, I I think they can open Columbus up a little bit. Uh, they, they can make it uncomfortable for Columbus too. Well, Ray, as you were mentioning um, Columbus and their style, it made me think of some of the conversations that James and I have been having about the Leafs defense. And all I could think as you were talking is that is the reason why Tyson Berry is not playing with Morgan Riley. Um, you know Tyson, uh, I think, from Vancouver. Yeah. Do you have like any theories on like the way it worked out this year? Do you think it was just like he joins a new team after like a decade in Colorado, different coach, different style? Like, did you ever at any point uh, watching them, watching him, see him like kind of feel maybe like the player you thought he was or know him to be? Well, certainly later in the year, um, you know, when when he came in there, I mean, he it's not like he was unfamiliar with Mike Babcock or what Mike was going to be about. And, but the style that, that they were looking for him to play to me, it almost seemed like they acquired the wrong player, right? Yeah. Like, the, like Tyson's game is, is offense. It's getting up in the rush. It's creating the, that next layer of attack. And, you know, he only had to go back into last playoffs when Colorado was, was playing Tyson wasn't in the top pair. Right. Like that, that was not where they used him. They used him lower down the charts. And once McCarr showed up and, and clearly was ready to play, his minutes 
changed as well again. And so I, I think you've got a, a player that maybe expectations were, um, you know, generally speaking, I guess, like from the public, were probably out of whack with what the player was going to be able to deliver. Like Tyson Berry is not going to be a lockdown, stay-at-home defenseman. And if you ask him to play like that, that's like, you know, taking half or more than half of his toolbox and throwing it in the dump. Like he, that's not how he plays. And so the the style change that that came uh, with the coaching change was far more um, far more comfortable for him to play. What really became interesting to me was as we got into you know James, you were talking about the February stuff you were writing and you know into March is that um, some of the same discussions that Mike Babcock was having at the beginning of the year were being had <laughs> in February. You know, it just moved the calendar along. You still got mostly the same actors, right? Like, you know, the, the coach was different, but what, even though he plays a different style and, and Sheldon uh, looks for a different style of play and promotes a different style of play, at the baseline, the issues that the Leafs face and were facing with Mike Babcock, a lot of those issues were started with Sheldon Keefe in February. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you it think it was that... the same thing? Yeah. And it's not, the and last... it, guys. How could it be? How could it be different? Like it could be a little bit different, right? It might be. Could it be ten percent better? Or, you know, let let's say Morgan Riley is healthier than he's been all year and plays more like last year's Morgan Riley. Let's say Tyson Berry is better, more like the second half or you know second part of the season Tyson Berry. Well. Now you've got, you know, you've got something a little better. Is Travis Dermott going to be better? Because he 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 was a guy I expected a, even though he got the late start, I expected more of a jump from. You know what you're getting with Cody Cece, right? Like that's not going to change. That's not going to change. Four months off, two months off. It's, you know, Cece is what is is what he is. We've seen enough of him to know both in Ottawa and this year in Toronto to know what he is. The, you know, I mean, Jake Muzzin's their most stalwart, stable guy um, and probably will be good in this series, I would think. And Justin Hall, I mean, he, how could you not go, hey, that was, that was found money, how he played. But does that defense look like one that's going five rounds to you? The only, to play devil's advocate, Ray, one of the things that Jonas and I have been debating during camp is the Leafs never had that six-man defense unit together all season. Like, how many games was everyone healthy in that group? It was almost almost none. Cross-healthy, too, right? You mean cross-healthy, James? Like, one guy in, one guy out, kind of like that? Well, uh, no, like, a lot lot of those guys missed 15, 20 games. Like, Riley, Dermott, CeCe, Muzzin was out for a long time. And then if you add in they were playing hurt, that's basically every single game. They haven't had this full group. And it's been interesting that Sheldon Keefe has been talking about no, like Riley's partner is not going to be set because he's he might start with CC, but then during the game he'll be with Barry or he'll be with, they're even talking about putting Dermot up there on the right side. And it just sounds like the organization feels like they have a lot more options just because everybody's healthy right now, which they didn't have all season. Well, of course, that gives you... Right. I mean, that, that everybody wants their full complement to players. And, but I would say, you know, uh, what, what is, if you're playing, if you're devil's advocate, what would I be? Would I be the devil's devil's advocate? 
I don't know, angel, angel's advocate. I don't. <laughs> sure, that's it, of course. Because what I'm, I'm going to say is most of those problems that you talk about, other teams are dealing with too. Like they, teams don't generally have their six guy favorite group together for the whole season. Guys are always playing banged up. Now they're all going to be relatively healthy, I would suspect, at this time, uh, provided um, health from hockey stuff plus COVID allows them to be, you know, to to be um, to be available to play. the The only team that I can remember winning a Stanley Cup in the last decade with the same six defensemen was LA. Like my my recollection is teams are always seven and eight guys, nine guys deep by the time they get through five rounds of, a, well, four rounds of the playoffs. You know, LA went, um, when they won, they, you know, they went like when Willie Mitchell was there and Muzzin was young and Doughty, um, uh, Alex Matt Martinez, Green. Uh, Matt Green, like they went six guys in, six guys out. That was it. Like that's, that's like the the luckiest group of guys of all time. And if you get into the depth, I'm sure that'll be challenges for everybody. But you're right, for the Leafs, they'll have some options. And I will say, one of the things I do like about um, about Sheldon Keefe, now, I like this as a, as a broadcaster. I don't know how much I would like that as a player, but um, in-game, if things aren't working, he's making adjustments all over the place. If there's a matchup he doesn't like, he makes an adjustment. I like to go out with the same two wingers most of the time. Now, maybe they didn't want to go out with me, but I liked going out with the same two <laughs> wingers. And, and, you know, he, Sheldon is always like, you know, he's moving a winger here or he's, you know, he's got Tavares up with, uh, uh, in the middle and moves Matthews to the wing or, you know, puts him out there with Marner once in a while. Like, he's not, he's not scared to coach with his gut. And, and I kind of like that. Okay, Ray, I want to ask you more about that. We have to take one quick break. Uh, so we'll be right back. All right, guys, grab your peanuts and popcorn because baseball is back. That's right. The boys will be getting back out on the diamond this week. And while we may not be able to join them at the park, there's plenty of action to be had from the comforts of your home. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you on the field with a shot to play risk-free for a shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy baseball is easy to play. Just pick 10 players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. There's no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars. But if baseball isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this week's tournament. With millions of dollars up for grab this week, there's no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code RUN to get a free shot at a share of the millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code RUN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So Ray, to, to, to follow up um, on that point about Sheldon Keefe's experimentation, so I've liked it. Like I, I think it's been interesting at camp to watch him try all these different things. I think I thought it was a mistake in the past that Mike Babcock was so reluctant to it. I remember there was one game in Montreal that, that he put Matthews and Marner together. They scored a couple goals, and he's like, I'm done with it. And he never went back to it. He never liked that. But then I started to wonder as camp rolled along, like, is this too much? Like, are you going a little too 
heavy with all this switching and matching guys around as a player like that's something you wouldn't like oh i i okay i liked it in training camp because it was nice to kind of have different guys to play with and you're like hey how's it going and you meet a new guy and you know that was kind of fun because the games don't mean anything and so while he's experimenting now these guys all know each other they all know the way each other play they just finished playing together i mean i know it was four months ago but they all just finished playing so once august the second rolls around um you know their their lines however they're going to take shape um the guys, I, I think the guys will be fine. You know, like I, they, they're the familiarity is already is already there because this is their team. It's it would be different if they had like five new guys coming in. Like whatever they're going to do with Nick Robertson, he's going to move around here, there, or maybe they're not even in the lineup. That's one guy. You know, that's not that's not earth shattering to the the chemistry of what your lines might be and the familiarity that you're your forwards might have and then you get to the defense and it's it's the same guys right they might the partners might be different but it's the same guys ray what's your read on nick robertson and the idea of putting an 18 year old guy that's never played an nhl game into this situation i was watching him at at the camp scrimmage yesterday and i thought he that he looked a little bit fatigued maybe by the pace of the whole thing i mean do you think it's too much to ask a kid to step right in and and make an impact on I mean, he's been on the third line a lot in camp. I mean, is that is that too much to ask of him? I'm going to say yes. Um, you know, he's had um, he's had no preseason. He's had no you know no one training camp to get through. I mean, just I, I view him, I guess, like an 18 year old player that that comes to camp and blows the doors off everybody early, and then once the once the big boys get up to speed. He looks like an 18-year-old. And none of that means that I'm down on him as a prospect. I just think this is a, such a wildly unpredictable time and asking someone to jump into games of importance like now is a big ask. Yet there are kids that come out of college and they jump in and play right away. Now those guys are older. Right, and they've had significant impact in playoffs years. Um, I, I think this would be a big ask. Um, I like his tenacity. I like the way he turns and holds the puck. I like his his shot is terrific. But I, I just, I, I think he might he can be an option um, for me. Uh, you know, without watching every day of you know every shift of every day, uh, it seems more like an in and out option to me. You know, they need some energy. They need a change. Boom, in he goes. And maybe he can play at that pace for a few games and then poof, the air goes out of him for a couple of days and you got to bring him back. That's kind of how I have always seen uh, an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old coming into the league. But I'm not, I don't even have the mindset I had a couple of years ago about being really conservative with those players. I mean, if the kid can play, the kid can play. But I think you have to expect that He's going to run out of gas, as you mentioned, James, or the air is going to come out of his game, or he's going to all of a sudden be playing against guys that are obviously much better than anybody he's played against. And a little mistake of positioning and a, an 18-year-old mistake of defensive positioning at the wrong time. And that wrong time might be five minutes gone in the third period, you know, not like in the last two minutes of a game. It's a 2-2 game. He's out for a shift. He 
burps one up at the blue line because he doesn't get it out, which an older guy can do, and then he loses his coverage, or boom, it's in the net, and you lose 4-2 empty netter. Like, that's a big moment, even though there's 15 minutes left. So it's they're going to have to be real comfortable about what they think their expectations can be with him. Well, Ray, I looked uh, back. I can't remember how far I stretched back, but I looked for 18-year-olds playing in the playoffs, and these are the names. Pierre-Marc Bouchard, Patrice Bergeron, Jordan Stahl, Nathan McKinnon, Kevin Fiala, Sam Bennett. And some of those guys like played a, a bunch. Like Nathan McKinnon obviously is an, a different type of player. He's a number one overall pick. He plays like over 20 minutes. He puts up points. Bergeron plays a bit. Uh, Robertson's obviously unique in his skill set, his build, his age, obviously, just like these guys. But I wonder, like I keep being what, – what's tugging at me is the upside that he brings – Maybe it's not necessary, though, in a series against a, a low-scoring team. But then I just sometimes watch Pierre Engvall, and I just think to myself, like, there's just not he, – he shouldn't be on your third line. And if the top two lines cross each other out, are you going to be able to generate that punch from lowering your lineup, which they, they couldn't late in the year? Does any of that strike you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he brings a different dimension. His shot, of course, is – you know, is, is the dimension that, you know, if you're, if you're going to have one thing, that's probably a pretty decent thing to have. And so, you know, where Pierre Engvall might need 17 chances to score, Robertson might need three, right? And that, and in a playoff series where the chances, now the ch- I'm going to back up a bit here. The chances might not be as limited as they normally are, because I really believe the games are going to be a little more scrambly. And there'll be more chances available than there would be in a normal playoff type scenario. But I, again, like when I talk about an in and out uh, view of Robertson, maybe in game one, he's not in. And that third line doesn't have a good night. And they go, you know what? Let's get him in for game two. And he plays good in game two and three, game four. Oh, not so great. And say they win in four and they go on to the next series and you're, Whoever the next series is against, they'd say, oh, this is a this is a good matchup. So let's get him in. And he plays game one and two, but ooh, not so great. Let's take him out for game three. Like I can see that sort of scenario uh, playing. The other thing too, guys, one of the names you mentioned, and you know, he just gets glossed over is Pierre-Marc Bouchard. He was a good player. He was little. He was fast. A, yeah, but playing at a time when, you know, it was you know, hooking and holding where we used to practice that. Like we literally had drills at practice to interfere, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> just water, the old so water goofy. ski. Oh yeah. They'd be, we're going to, we're going to do a four check drill. Nobody better get in on the defense. That's what the coaches would tell you. So you just lasso the guy. I mean, there's no penalty. Like it was going to call it. Um, but Bouchard uh, under Jacques Lemaire became almost a specialist. And, you know, Jacques Lemaire was a brilliant coach. And he'd pop him out on right wing. He'd use him on at center a little bit, but mostly on right wing. He'd use him on the power play. Like there were places in the game. Um, I don't know offhand, but I bet you he wasn't playing 10 or 12 minutes a game. I bet. Was 13. Was he really? Specialist minutes. there's only five games. Yeah, specialist minutes. They need offense. In you go. But there are times and players he just couldn't play against. All right, Ray. I'm going to put you on the spot. If you had to make a prediction for this series, what, where do you where do you come down on that? I think Toronto's going to win. Um, I 
I just think that difficulty that Columbus has scoring goals um, will be a factor. I don't think the playing in Toronto is at all a factor to them. Um, like, I think that – actually, I think that team plays the same game at home or on the road. I don't think it really matters. And in this I, home road, I don't know, none of that matters anymore. I mean, did the Leafs get to use their dressing room? No, I don't think Sometimes. so. Oh, they're going to rotate it. Like when they're the home team, they'll get it or something like that. Right. I don't I even think, think they're going to. I think they're yeah. going to be on the visitor bench. Like the players have been saying, they're going to be on a different for bench. road games. Right. Road okay, games. great. So I guess my point was going to be um, the only advantage this scenario has is if you had your home locker room all the time because it's got all the facilities in it. Well, I think the league but, knew that. And it, yeah. No, no, of course he did. But there's yeah. no, that's what I, like there was, remember when they were trying to pick the hub cities and they're like, they initially thought, well, we wouldn't have, you know, the team playing in their own home hub city. It doesn't matter. The, yeah. r- the rinks are all the same size. Now, what will be weird, I'm sure for the guys, because I always felt it, was whenever you went for, uh, a training camp or something and you're in your own rink and you sat on the visitor's bench and you came out the visitor's tunnel it felt like you were driving up a, the wrong way on a one-way street <laughs> you're like man nothing's right here you're turning a different direction you sit down the you know the clock's to your left not your right the you know like just little things like that your penalty box is on the other side it's, it's not a big deal but it, it is something i don't i don't think the home road thing is going to have any bearing at all I agree with you, but I like if Toronto does well, I'm sure people are going to say, "Oh, they had this, they had this, or Edmonton does well, they had this advantage. They're in their own rink, of course. The NHL rigged it." Yeah, well, of course, of course, they will say that, and um, none of them have played, so it doesn't matter. If they had, if they had, and, and the reason I say that none of them have played, there are ranks that it would have mattered. If they had one of these hub cities in Boston in the Boston Garden. Well, hell, that would have mattered. The thing was as big as your closet. <laughs> but all the rates are 200 by 85. They're all well lit. Everybody's playing in the same uh, the same atmosphere. The, there is no crowd. We spoke about that earlier. There is no there is no ups and downs in the building. It's just the building. Uh, I they had to have it somewhere, right? They, they so. This is where they picked. I, I don't I don't think it's any great advantage for Edmonton to be in Edmonton. They're living in the hotel too, same as everybody else. It's funny, Ray, like even um, just walking out to the rink from your room, whatever your room is, the building's going to be like flat. Like you're not going to have that intensity when you come out and the crowd roars and all that stuff. That's going to be gone. Um but let me ask you this: you, you, pick, you would pick the Leafs to win. The Leafs will lose the series if what? Um, they can't handle the cycle, and Freddie is average. I think he's going to have to be pretty good. And and I and I just I I really worry about their um, or my biggest concern is their ability to handle what is a strong cycling team because they haven't been able to do it all year. They haven't been able to handle poor cycling teams. I mean, they're one of the worst five, I believe, in the league at number of goals off the cycle. And I, I think that is a factor. If they defend it, I, I think they're too good. 
A best of five changes things too, right? Because if Columbus can sneak out the first game, all of a sudden the Leafs are going to have to win three of four to win the series, and the, the pressure on them will be incredible. It's James. It the best of lot. five is like is the it feels like a like the fastest sprint you're in, and it's just yeah. what you say because everybody knows the math. I mean, you lose one game and you go, ah, it's just one game, but you're like, I got to win three of the next four. We yeah. the first year we made the playoffs in Hartford. Um, we barely made it in, and Quebec had the Stastny brothers, and man, they were good. They were a good team. We won the first game in in um, in Quebec, and my recollection is we didn't touch the puck for the first ten minutes. And Mike Lee was unbelievable in goal, and then we got going and we won. So a hot goalie in a game in a five game series, it he changed. Mike changed that series in the first 10 minutes. We could have been blown right out, but he changed the series. And then all of a sudden Quebec's like, they got to win three or four. Well, we squeaked out the second game, they were done. And it can be that quick. And it will, there's, look, there's 12 series. There's going to be a couple of three game series for sure. Like somebody's going to stumble, somebody's going to get hurt. Someone's not going to be prepared, um, you know, to, to compete in the way that they should. and all of a sudden they're going to be they're going to be packing up and heading back home yeah but that's why the you're talking about with anderson that's why there's so much pressure like if he comes out and is just a little rocky and they lose game one like imagine how he'll be feeling going into game two it'll be like the world is on his shoulders uh fast yeah you're right fast you know like just let's assume like just for our discussion here let's let's assume that he has a rough first game and they lose that first 10 minutes of game two or everything. Like, it, you know, you come out and you kick away a couple and now you're chasing uphill. Uh, that's what the position, look, I think there's times when the goaltending position gets, you know, it's it's just, it's like starting pitching. It's like, it's all you talk about, but there are other things, except if you have terrible starting pitching and terrible goaltending, you can't win. You know, it doesn't have to be the best. Like, the goalie doesn't have to be the best guy in the league, but he can't be stumbling along. You just, you're just, although if if teams are going to outscore, it'll be Tampa and Toronto. But for the most part, you're not outscoring your problems like that. All right, Ray, we're going to let you go. You've given us too much of your time. Um, this One of the shittiest things about this whole setup is that we don't get to hear you on TV. Um, but we're glad, like, you're safe and at home and everything. Thanks, Jonas. You know, I was... Uh... We were sure, certainly hopeful we were going to be involved in the in the play-in scenario here, and um, and it just it just didn't happen. Of course, that's miles above our pay grade, and um, so we sit and watch. And um, you know, I hope I hope the games are great. I hope guys are healthy. Um, and uh, like like I said, I watched baseball last night, and I was like, man, it was it was nice to watch. And and I I hope people feel the same way. Uh, about the the NHL because I think, look, I I I can be critical of the league because uh, I think that's part of our job is to kind of oh hey this is what they've done and I would do this or I would do that. I, I think they've done a pretty good job, a really good job in trying to manage this return to play, and now you just have to hope it goes as well as possible. Ray, did you have the option to potentially be in the in the bubble or that just wasn't on the table like with NBC or something like that? No, it was uh, uh, it was not at all. Um, okay. so I never talked to NBC they've got, but they've got people under contract, 
you know, right. usually when I go in, I'm like a independent guy for the first round Hired or so. <laughs> yeah, whatever, right? But like they've got Brian Boucher and Eddie Olchek. Um, uh, who else is doing games for them? Uh, I don't know if AJ's doing games or not. I don't. I didn't recall seeing her. But because it's only in two venues, you don't need a bunch of analysts, right? Because the guys can do multiple games a game a day. And right. so I didn't hear from NBC. And then once you know, you know, we thought we were going to get a few games, and that just didn't happen. Well, like Jonas said, it's a huge shame, and it's a it's too bad for hockey fans that you won't be a part of it. So, but we definitely appreciate you coming on, and hopefully, we can get you on uh, when we know what happens in with the Leafs and in this playoff. Yeah, please. You know, I'll I'll, I'll be watching. I uh, start my radio stuff on Monday, and um, so we'll you know through the playoffs we'll. I'll be in my office and watching games and, um, you know, and kind of kind of following along like a fan, same as everybody else. But uh, I hope you guys are healthy. I hope everybody's doing their part still. Hell, it seems like we said this five months ago. Look after yourself so you can help somebody else. And in some cases, it's been pretty good. But um, in others, it's just been it's been a mess. So I I hope I hope people are still uh still doing their part here because there's still a still a ways to go struggles real thank you ray be well guys good to talk to you all right james ray is obviously one of the best i think he probably is the best he's like the goat uh so that was fun um anything strike you from our conversation that you wanted to to get back to well i think he's like a lot of people in hockey in that there are things he's concerned about with the Leafs, but at the end of the day, he's going to pick the Leafs to win this series. And I'm, you know, that's sort of how I feel about it too, having looked at it closely. And I think it's going to be, you know, I was looking at this the other day, they, the teams had the exact same record, you know, and they both yeah. had lots of injuries and like, it's, I think this is going to, this is probably going to go five games. So it's a good, um, it's a good test for the Leafs to show that they can, you know, we talked about their level of intensity and consistency and all that stuff. This is a chance for them to prove that uh, that they're they can change from 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 that. Well, you don't have time to be inconsistent. Like if you come out and you're just a little laxadaisical, the series could be over. Do you, from from watching camp, do you feel like they're dialed in? Like it, I, it, like some guys, I could really see it, and then some other guys, there was, I thought some stuff in the scrimmage that didn't look like anything you would want to actually try in a game. Yeah, there, there's some of that for sure, um, but I, I I get that sense. the The way I'm I've been thinking about it is, it's almost like these guys um, when you're in minor hockey and you go away for a tournament, and it's almost like that where that's all you're doing. Like you're just that's that's what you're going to be doing, and that's kind of going to be their life for this next little while. It, it might almost help them in some ways in that this is it. Like you're just in this bubble to play hockey and that's it like you can't go to restaurants like you can't go to bars you can't like enjoy this well i guess you can enjoy the, the sunshine a little bit you know what i mean like it's almost like you're you're on you're in university or something where yeah you, i guess that's a bad example but well, like you're, you're trapped in it's like in know? university when you're like cramming every day for your exams or something like you, you yeah exactly. you, have, you have no life other than i mean they're gonna have some downtime yes. with each other and everything but i think it's gonna wear on some of them mentally and i wonder if you know I, the only like the Leafs might not be in this very long, right? Like they they might only be in this for nine days. So right. you know it's mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see how how impacted they are um, by all of that. Okay, well before we go, James, 
now that sports are actually back, we weren't sure for a while if they're going to come back. Uh, it's a really good time to sign up for The Athletic. We're offering 40% off, uh, which is obviously an amazing deal. You can read all about the Leafs. You can read basically about any team you want in any sport. There's everything. Um, everything is happening. Like you've got the baseball season coming back. We're going to have the NBA playoffs pretty soon. We're going to have the NHL playoffs. There's soccer. There's everything is going on. So if you go to theathletic.com slash leaf report, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. That is theathletic.com slash leaf report for 40% off. James, anything you want to add before we wrap and then talk next week? Well, behind the scenes, I've been working really hard on what our coverage is going to look like for the playoffs and the amount of content that we're going to have and the amount of, of unique and strong content is going to be incredible. You know, you and I are going to be at a lot of the games. Scott Wheeler is going to be at a lot of the games in Edmonton. We're going to have three of our writers there with Tom Drance and Dan Robson and Daniel Nugent Bowman. You know, even though the access isn't the way that it was before, I'm pretty confident that uh, we're going to have the best hockey coverage that's out there. And we're also going to have all of our writers on every NHL team that are in other markets. They're still going to be covering the games, even though they can't be there. So, you know, it's um, I'm, I'm really excited to that we finally are going to have games to talk about. And, and you know, it's it's. It's weird because normally when you have training camp, it goes on forever and there's a bunch of exhibition games and then you have the first regular season game. We've never had it like this where you go right into the playoffs. And I think that, you know, I can already tell from the numbers on our site that, that the audience is really hungry for this. Our staff's really hungry for this. And I think it's going to be a really good entertainment value here. Um, so if you're not subscribed yet, come join us. You know, this is the best possible time to sign up. All right, James. We will talk next week when the Leafs will be in a bubble and we'll be, it'll be right around the time we might do it before or after the exhibition game that they mm -hmm. play on Tuesday against Montreal. So after, we will I have plenty yeah. after. So we'll have plenty to talk about. So we will chat then. Thank you everybody for listening and stay safe.